Good morning, everyone, and happy Thanksgiving. We gather together on uh, this national holiday, uh, Thanksgiving, and uh, I was reflecting on uh, initially uh, what brought the uh, people came from another country here to the America, and so long ago, why did they come? Do you remember why they came? They came because they were being persecuted for their religious beliefs. They came here in hopes that they could practice their faith. And um, Thanksgiving, um, at least in part then, all that long ago, were those who were seeking just to live in religious freedom here. So my friends, when I look at this, the custom of celebrating a day of Thanksgiving traces its origins back to the year of 1621, when a governor of a Plymouth colony, a small group, appointed a day of public praise and praise to God, and they were thankful for some food, a harvest. The practice soon spread to other colonies. President George Washington, at the request of Congress. Should I repeat that? <laughs> the President of the United States, George Washington, at the request of Congress, proclaimed the first national observance on Thursday, November 26, 1789. Thanksgiving Day, then, is an American original. The Brits don't celebrate it. <laughs> because the people came here to get away from them. <laughs> Canada doesn't celebrate it, but they have their own day of Thanksgiving, I believe. Uh, so this becomes an American original holiday, which has an inescapable religious character to it. If people do their history, they will see. So it's always amazing to me that uh, considering the cancel culture and all the other things, they haven't attempted to change this. But as it is, um, you know, we Christians understand what it is. And I think of those who do not believe in God, who do they thank on Thanksgiving Day? And of course, my sister said, they thank goodness. <laughs> and I, she was being funny, but I mean, I get it. But, and I said, and goodness would come from... And she said, don't go there. No, no, she's, she's Catholic, but we, we were joking about it. And uh, I just thought, well, the word goodness implies something. But okay, I said, let's not pick a fight with anybody on this day. As it is, and it's an observance of this day, has taken uh, other meanings. I watched uh, this morning as uh, all the, I'm not a sports person, but all the football and all that. And I'm glad it gathers people together, how I see it. Uh, um, and then... Uh, I think uh, all the other people are going to be going absolutely bonkers on the internet, trying to buy everything at a sale price and hope that it'll be delivered and maybe they'll go out to the Pacific Ocean and get the containers that are out there waiting to come in. <laughs> but we give thanks that they're there, right? <laughs> Nevertheless, we Catholics know whom we should thank and we know how to go about it. Yes, indeed, little one. We acknowledge that all life and good gift comes from God. <laughs> he is the one to whom we thank in all things. We come together this morning to celebrate Mass, and that is a thanksgiving to God 
In fact, every Mass is an act of thanksgiving, but you know this. You know the word Eucharist. is Greek. It means thanksgiving. <laughs> it is an appropriate and helpful. I'm not sure if she wants me to stop or continue. I'll continue. <laughs> it is appropriate and helpful for us as American Catholics to observe this special day once a year as a day of thanksgiving to God. We give thanks to God for the principles upon which our country was founded, as expressed in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all people have been created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, not by any government, not by self, but by a creator, with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is very wise to be careful that we do not slip into a solely mentality of nationalism or worse, complacency about this tradition that we observe. George Washington himself created the proper spirit of this day in his first Thanksgiving proclamation. Set aside a day which, in his own words, was to be a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God. He went on to urge his fellow citizens to beseech God to pardon our national and other transgressions. Can you imagine that? To promote knowledge and the practice of true religion. To promote knowledge and the practice of true religion and virtue, and to grant unto all a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows is best. He's referring to God. On this day in this house of prayer, let us follow the advice that we should count our blessings. And having added them all up, we should look toward heaven and with Christ as our high priest, as our king and savior. Embrace the words of the Eucharistic prayer that I will use today as we celebrate the memorial, the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven. And as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you on thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. My friends, there are a couple of readings that could be used today. The one we chose for this year had to do with the ten lepers. And we're told that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. You know where he's going, right? This is what's going to happen when he gets there, and he knows it already. And on his way, he stops in a town where they do not like Jews and where Jews do not like them. And he encounters a small group, a small group of people who had their own community. They had their own community because they were lepers, and no one else wanted them. And uh, the laws of, of uh, the Hebrews where they could not go, because you know, they, they didn't know about uh, what we know as Hansen's disease, uh, leprosy. It was very contagious and very uh, awful to look at. Uh, it took its toll physically and emotionally on the, on the person who had it. They couldn't be near anyone. They had to wear veils, and they had to scream out, unclean, unclean. And some of them wore bells and rang the bell, and that warned people to stay clear of them because of their disease. And uh, my friends, I think about uh, our country 
in the world back in the age, fearful, but uh, the way we treated people back then. He was on his way, and uh, somehow this small community of lepers heard about him and began to scream out to him, Lord, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus, we're told, uh, in the Greek, uh, he says in a loud voice, back, go and show yourselves to the priests. Because the priests in Jesus' days were like doctors. They were the ones who were able to say, uh, your illness is gone, I can't see it anymore, you're welcome back to the community. So Jesus tells them, go and show yourself to the priests. And the scriptures tell us they were not healed immediately. They were healed as they went. So you can only imagine what they were thinking. Okay, I'm going to show the priest. The rabbi told us, look at but look at how we look. Here we go. We're told one of them is a Samaritan. Now, my friends, remember, Jews, I'm assuming then the other nine must be Jews. And you know, as I just opened with Jews and Samaritans, it is, I'm not even being dramatic. They hated each other. They wouldn't normally be around each other. They wouldn't use utensils together. They wouldn't talk to each other. They wouldn't use the same wells. They wouldn't use the same lakes. Nothing. So my friends, when I look at this, here they were together, a small community. Pain and suffering and alienation has a way of minimizing our differences and maximizing what we share in common, the fact that we're humans and that we're made by God. See, Jesus tells them, go and do what is required of the Mosaic law, go. And they go, and only one returns. And Luke points it out very clearly. One returns, he's a Samaritan, the very one that doesn't... Uh, get any acceptance from Jewish people, and he's returning to a Jewish rabbi. On the one hand, uh, the other ones, uh, I'm sure, are grateful that something's happened, but Jesus said only one is aware. The word we use in English is realized. The other word used in the Greek is one becomes aware that he's been healed. And he returns to Jesus. Now, one of the reasons why he returns to Jesus, he's Samaritan. Uh, he cannot go into the Jewish territory uh, and show himself to priests because there are no priests for him. And there is no temple for him. That is not where they worship. So what does he do? He returns to the one person who acted as a priest to him, Jesus. And Jesus simply asks. He's not looking for an answer. He just says, where are the others? In the Greek the nine, where are they? Because it's backwards. The nine, where are they? Oh, you told them to go. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you're reading it, you have to look at it and like, you told them to go, right? My friends, but the willingness to go before any change, all of them, all ten, nothing happened in that moment. We're told it happened on their way over. So just the fact that they were willing to go uh, and believe me, the priests were not looking forward to seeing them because they were lepers. But on the word of this rabbi, they went. And uh, logically, it made no, no sense. And yet, um, one came back, one harnessed 
the opportunity to give thanks. The other nine, I am sure and confident they were thankful, but they did not come back to thank. They missed an opportunity to give God thanks. Let us not do that. Let us not uh, miss an opportunity to give thanks to God, to family members, to friends. Uh, friends, uh, it's good to be thankful, even in the midst. Uh, some folks will say, well, Father, I've looked and i counted, and I don't know what I have to be thankful for. Life. Life. Whether you get 100 years of it, whether you get 70 years of it, whether you get 50 years of it, the promise is eternal life. Move from one life to the next. Huh? But in all things, we're thankful. Did I put your baby to sleep? No, okay. Sometimes, no, Father talks in a monotone voice, and you know, I talk long enough, the, the children will go to sleep. So <laughs> if you have a problem with, with the children sleeping, just call Father Mark and bring a homily. He'll just talk the child to sleep. <laughs> I like to poke fun at myself. I know I give long homilies. <laughs> My friends, uh, um, the AMBO, uh, inside of our church, we have three, if you will, great articles. Uh, the altar, which symbolizes Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. The baptismal font, uh, when baptized, we enter into uh, the life of the Christian kingdom. As Jesus said, go baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we have the ambo. The ambo uh, is uh, a place of great honor. It is to be respected always. And uh, uh, where the word of God is proclaimed and where prayers are offered and where the cantor sings the responsorial psalm uh, and where uh, uh, the priest, bishop, or deacon gives long homilies <laughs> 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 um, expounding on the word of God. Uh, in bigger churches, um, they have an ambo and then they have a podium, a second one, where uh, if there's a, some other thing that happens, uh, a, a speech of some type, a teaching of some type that uh, they move. Uh, in the same way, uh, baptismal fonts are supposed to be in the narthex, not in, the, in our sanctuary area. But this is, we do the best that we can with our church until we build a new one one day. I bring all of this up because I want to continue to always have respect for the ambo. But I would like to, Gene, you're here, right, Gene Bevan? Uh, Gene Bevan, last year, after I gave a different homily uh, on Thanksgiving Day, sent this to me, and I would like to read it to you. Uh, by the President of the United States of America, a proclamation. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, <laughs> talk about heaven, <laughs> to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress <laughs> have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States, acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, next to be devoted by the people of the states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the benefactor, author of all that uh, is good, 
and all that is and all that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him, capital H, meaning God, our sincere and humble thanks for his kindness, his becoming a nation, for the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable impositions of his providence, which we experienced in the course and conclusion of the late war, for the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty, which we have since enjoyed for the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge, and in general, for all the great and various favors which he, capital H, has been pleased to confer upon us, applications to the great Lord and ruler of nations, and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions, to enable us all, whether in public or private stations to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually, to render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws, discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially such as have shown, shown kindness unto us, and to bless them with good government, peace, and concord, to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue, and the increase of science among them and us, and generally to grant unto all humankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best, given under the hand at the city of New York, the third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1789, President George Washington. It had been a long, long, long time since I had read this and was able to reflect upon it. And I thought it might be appropriate on this day. Bevan, thank you for sending that. A year ago, I kept it because I knew I'd want to, uh, now the English is hard, it's old English, so I messed up a little bit. Uh, but uh, if you've never seen it or read it, it might be good to do some research and find it and see what that president of the United States in great wisdom said. My brothers and sisters, I wish you uh, a, a very a beautiful and peaceful Thanksgiving day, safe journey uh, if you're traveling, and uh, to all your family members and friends who travel to you, uh, it's a great day of celebration. My friends, I explained uh, the items in the church, in particular about the amble, because some folks sometimes ask me why do I walk away from it and continue to talk. And the reason why I walk away from the amble and continue to talk is out of respect that only the scripture and the homily should be there. And if I'm going to talk about something else, I move away from it in that case. My friends, well, um, uh, today is a national holiday, uh, so it became a, a rightful place to incorporate 
something about the government, ours. And uh, what I liked about that letter, it showed the unity of both houses in this way for the people. So we always hope, have hope in our heart, and that shows in the beginning how uh, they all work together. And that can happen again, and I think it will. Uh, so it's a good way. That's a good way of bringing, if you will, politics into the church without it being, uh, you know, it's just not a good thing. So my friends, know of God's love for you, know of my love for you. I wish you the very best today and a joyful Thanksgiving.